Welcome in to another edition of the Tabby Keg Podcast, episode four ten. Happy opening day to you all. No April fooling around. We're here talking Brewers. We'll give you the Brewers preview that you've been waiting for from Mitch Ross and I. Uh, that will be coming at you. We're going to also talk about why not enough people are talking about how COVID, ha- COVID has affected the Milwaukee Bucks season. And then lastly, I have some theories on the Aaron Rodgers drama. I don't know if it's a perceived Aaron Rodgers drama or the actual drama, but we have Aaron Rodgers drama because, you know, how can we not? Mitch Ross in the building. What's up, dude? Opening day finally here. It's um, I've been getting excited um, intermittently over the last you know month or so, and it's just like going to be awesome to have a normal baseball season again. Yeah. Um, perhaps our last one for for <laughs> for the next year after that. Yeah. I don't, don't know what the hell's going to happen after this season, but let's let's try to make this one extra sweet. And I would, people are people are very excited about the Brewers. I would give. Um, I would give people a word of advice to enjoy as much baseball as you can this year. Just really enjoy it. Dig it. Not only because last year was such a fraud season, as I've kind of told the listeners on non-tapping the kegs, I said, you know, Mitch is really right when it came to just that last year was such an aberration just across the board. Mm -hmm. And there's that. And the fact that, yeah, next year, I have no idea. And it would be very Brewers, very Milwaukee-esque for the uh, Brewers to get far, maybe not get to the World Series, and then the following year, there is a lockout. Because that yeah. would, nothing would, would make more sense than that, honestly. And, but we're not going to go to negative town. We're just not. We're not going to do it. Um, it it's the well, I'll do my best to take us there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I did something yesterday where I talked about, you know, some of the things that worry me about this team in general. Um, But yeah, I I think that everybody is excited. I think there is a element of it's the new season. I, 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 I think we had one of our better podcasts of all time. I'd have to dig through when what episode this is. But when you and I basically made fun of everybody for making opening day, basically this drinking holiday, um, that was, I mean, really good shit because opening day is, I mean, I think amateur hour gets overused. I've talked about how amateur hour is kind of like let everybody do their own thing, but opening day in normal times is like peak amateur hour. It is. It absolutely is. It's just, it's just people that, you know, Let's just say that the drinking culture at Brewer Games, which is, you know, very, very immense, is going to be put to the test, at least in the early going here. Yeah. Uh, in the first couple of months of the season, because, you know, let's be honest, I've said it a million times on this podcast, probably two million times in person, that it's just, it, it, you know, nobody cares about, you know, three quarters of the people at a, at a Brewer game on a, on a Saturday night where, when there's 40,000 people don't really care about what what's going to go on between the lines that particular night for sure they just want to um you know have a good time and more power to them and uh, you know that also would go i also would encourage that this year again because of not having a normal season last year and the uncertainty of next year just whatever you got to do to enjoy it i'm going to try to encourage that but yeah opening day is 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 um it's just it, it's sort of that it's like you shake off the cabin fever cabin yeah and, uh, it is it's and, like the know, start the of winter spring, cobwebs it is. well it's, and it's, it, it's almost always a shitty day too like well yeah day. i was joking with i was joking with my dad um on the phone yesterday i was like isn't it kind of perfect that today is beautiful it's tuesday today is beautiful and then on opening day it's the high i think it's gonna be 42 like it's perfect it's that yeah yeah and it's, just, the it's sc- like it it dips down for a day and a half this week and it happens to you know, surround opening day. Yeah. And the roof will be closed. Um, they've, they said that with COVID they're going to try to open the roof a little bit more, which I think, I think a lot of fans actually will like that. Um, they've, you know, brewers have closed that roof on like a balmy, like 45 degree night where you're like, yeah, it's kind of nice outside. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dude, 
Do you need a hoodie? Yeah, sure. Maybe like a stocking hat, even, even so. But is it still like nice outside? Kind of that like San Francisco cold. You know what I mean? Maybe a little colder than that, but so that's cool. And I think, yeah, it's going to test a lot of people, but it, I think you'll still have a rowdy crowd because I think there's some real excitement. I think seeing that the national media has gotten on the Brewer Dark Horse bandwagon yeah. is, a, is a real thing. And, and I guess you have to ask yourself, is it better to be lying in the weeds or is it better to be you know, out in the center? And I, and I don't know. I mean, I think part of the Dark Horse stuff is that the Brewers have done it now for three straight years. Now, last year, yeah, fluke, fine. But Craig Council is, I think, revered in the in baseball circles. And I think it just kind of now comes with the territory of who the Brewers are. Do you agree with that? Or do you, do you kind of can't see the Brewers as that kind of team? Uh, I think they are one of the more underrated organizations across base, in, the, in the industry, as they say. 100%. Um, Baseball loves to use that term. I've noticed the baseball players and agents and GMs, they all love to say the industry. So we'll go with it here too on tapping the keg Um, across the industry. uh, Yeah. I think council certainly he's appreciated by, by many for getting, getting a lot out of his teams and seeming to, to have this like kind of um, mellow approach. I was going to say non nonchalant maybe, but like he's certainly a player's manager, but I think he's also super, super tied to the front office and what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And I think that's, that's all you can really ask for in baseball. And, and one thing I, I wanted to ask or, or maybe pontificate on is like somewhere in the off season. And I feel like it was, I feel like it probably was the Jackie Bradley signing where it was like all of a sudden kind of like certainly the, in the national picture, it, the narrative switched on the Brewers, I think. Oh yeah, and I, I, it's crazy that that one move, that I mean, is it because he came from the Red Sox, did that help? Probably. I mean, the guy's not that great of a player. He's he's fine. He's a good defensive outfielder. He's he's serviceable, I suppose, with the bat. But like, I, because he came from a winning organization and and had was has won a World Series, that like, I just seem to have shift. And now everyone's everyone national people are really looking at the Brewers as a as a favorite for the NL Central and. I don't know. Like it might even happen to me too, where it was like, you actually look at the roster and it's like, yeah, they're not too bad. Even though you've had a, you know, I had a lot of negative thoughts, I think coming off, coming off the the playoff exit last year. Well, I, I I love this topic. First of all, Um, I, I think it's a, it's a variety of things. I think it's kind of, it's kind of a, a, you know, it's a stack. Like it's like, if you're building like a sub or something like that, it's, it's kind of how it started with Colton Wong. Right. You and I did a podcast on a snowy Sunday afternoon and I'm just bitching about the Brewers doing nothing later that week. They signed Colton Wong. You can go back and listen to that. It's probably like six weeks ago, seven weeks ago. I sound pretty dumb. If you, if you go back there, Um, they signed Colton Wong. So that's number one. And you kind of are like, all right, the Brewers are kind of trying to do something where, they are going to be a really strong defensive team. And the Brewers have realized that this is our best way to counterpunch what the Dodgers and Padres are set out to do. They're set out to have these awesome offenses and Dodgers have really good pitching staff too. I mean, Dodgers are incredible. You know that, Mm -hmm. but this is going to give us our best shot to, to kind of take down Goliath. And then they add Jackie Bradley Jr. on top of it. And it basically is like, yeah, we're not fucking around here. We think we have a good team. And I think also too, that helped is like all the comments you read from the various hitters throughout the spring training about how they're on a mission, how they all seem to bust their ass, how basically they all sort of said as a collective unit last year wasn't acceptable. And it also seems like they're having fun. Like I think COVID I, I do think COVID played a lot to do with that maybe. And just, it wasn't fun and it was so kind of ugly. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I joked about it on the blog, but, you know, Christian Yelich getting on my corner on the game reviews. Um, but it was really good. It was awesome. And it was hilarious with Colton Wong talking about pie and his wife. Like I loved it. Um, did you watch that by the way or no? No. Okay. So he basically did like a game review 
on his on his uh, Twitter. And I was like, I mean, this is my fucking corner, dude. Like, I don't know what you think here. And it was better than anything I've done. And so then it was it was a long conversation with myself last night. But yeah, it was hilarious. And it was just these guys having fun. And, you know, I think I think there's just a lot there that kind of turned this brewer thing around. And I also think, too, on on the inverse, there's not a lot to like about the St. Louis Cardinals and the Chicago Cubs or the Cincinnati Reds. There's pieces. They have talent. There's some talent, but it's not. I don't think it's the sum of all parts doesn't equal a better team than the Brewers for a lot of people. Yeah. I think when you were talking about Colton Wong, I think that probably started the the shift of like, right. okay, the Brewers aren't going to just stand pat and, you know, have a, have a dis- dismal payroll and just sort of hope more than anything. And yeah, spray um, and pray basically. And like say, even, all right, even, even then though, it was kind of like, okay, we're going to put here at first. Like that's not necessarily going to work out. And it's, and it's still, it still might not. We will have to wait and see. It's, arguably the biggest storyline yeah. for the team going into it and we'll and we'll get into that i'm sure here in a moment but sure um that 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 definitely got the wheels turning and i think you get jackie bradley jr a couple a couple weeks later i guess and you know now and that, that just seems like such a good move too mm-hmm. just because they're going to turn right field probably into more of a platoon and lorenzo kane as we talked about is probably going to have two days off a week. Right. I mean, right. yeah, they're going to assuming, assuming if he's not healthy, I mean, there's, there's a high probability that he gets hurt at some point, just given his age and, um, and things of that nature. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it should be a really, really solid move in the end for the brewers, but yeah, I mean, hype, everybody's excited and, and baseball too, kind of fan bases, I think more than any other sport, just, it doesn't matter. You, you just, unless you're the pirates, I mean, you know, we can make fun of them, but it doesn't matter. You baseball is such a, such a different game that, I mean, you could, every team get, hope springs eternal totally around this time of year. And, you know, as, as much as we want to overreact game one, it's tough too, but you know, in the last year it was 60 games and it's like, that's literally NBA season. That's like 15 games. That's like taking the bubble from last year and calling that a one full season. Right. And that's probably what's my review is going to be when Kenta Maeda shuts us down today. Um, it's going to be like, guys, we got 162 of these. I actually had some old Facebook statuses, which nothing do I love more than going through the memories. And this year was opening day of the 2011 season. Arguably, I think we, and this would be a, a fun topic to debate of like, what's 2011 versus 2018. Like, what was the more fun season? I think 2011 wins out. Um, And I was like saying that, that opening day, we lost to the Reds. And I was like, all right, I'm still going to be here. Like, I'm still going to cheer for this team. Like, I really think they're going to be good. I mean, the hype for that team was, was very real um, because they brought in Granke and Markham and yeah, it worked out. I mean, they got close and yeah, they didn't, they didn't finish. And there's not to say that they are obviously not in that upper, upper echelon, but they are right there and you're going to need to compete every night though. I will, I agree. It's 61 62. And I, I do agree, you know, you can lose a couple games or you can be 500 in the first month. You can even be 500 the second month. Like you can be 30 and 30 coming into Memorial day. And it's really not a big deal, but, the more games you lose, the less likely you have a chance at the sac- at the wild card because the wild card is going to be tough. The NL is really strong with the Padres and the Dodgers and the Mets and the Braves as like both. It just seems like that's everybody's like wild card picks are the Mets and the Braves and the Mets and the Padres and yeah. the Braves and the Dodgers winning the the respective divisions. So it's going to be really hard to like get a second wild card out of the NL Central. Now, the NL Central, it only might take 90 wins to win it, so it might be okay. But still, you can't just rely on that. Like, what's to say St. Louis couldn't just, you know, devil magic? And Dylan Carlson's a fucking MVP this year, 
20, the 22 year old outfielder for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, now St. Louis is a real threat. Cause yeah, I don't know. And the Hira thing, man, it's really interesting. I don't know what you do if he doesn't work there. Like, do you just, I mean, at that point, you probably have to explore options in, in the American league, unless you're convinced their DH is coming to come into the NL. Right. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, that's, you go, that's a scary and, thought. Right, but. right. But you go at, like, I know, and I said this yesterday, but, like, you you got to kind of look at, like, a Jose Ramirez type, right? Like, I know I've said it a few times, and it's kind of an obsession, and you're like, God, Charlie, it's you're getting to that point where you might, like, have a secret Jose shine, shrine. But, like, yeah, you got to start looking at some of, the, like, the elite talent in the AL and, and seeing if Castanera can be, can be dangled uh-huh. for it. I mean that 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 trade seems to make a lot of sense, so I don't blame you for for looking at that. But yeah, if Hira Hira doesn't work out, I mean, you know, you gave Colton Wong all that money, you're not gonna. I don't know what you do with him. He's kind of a one position guy. Right. I guess he's played some outfield, but you know, your outfield's also loaded, so right. You're not gonna you're not gonna take any any plate appearances away from from those guys. But yeah, yeah, you know, um, maybe. Maybe that's the thinking. I don't know. And, you know, if you package Hater and Hira, I mean, you're getting a hell of a return, I would imagine. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, then you're stuck with, you're stuck with Danny Doublecheese at first base. <laughs> well, I would imagine they would find someone else. I've, I was really surprised that none of the outfielders, like a Tyrone Taylor, or Billy McKinney, like tried to play infield or Derek Fisher. It's another name. Like, I was like, why didn't one of these guys just try to play infield? Like, I know that kind of is old man of me or like old school baseball. It's like, if you don't have a position, try something else. But like, wouldn't you? Like, I know McKinney made the team who I'm kind of weirdly excited about because like he used to, I think he was a big prospect for the Yankees back in the day. And I always like a a failed prospect. Um, You never know with those kind of guys. And but wouldn't you have tried like, play in first base just to make the roster and make the active 26 or whatever it is this year because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, you would think they would have, that he would have tried. I think he might've played some first base in his career Oh, as well. Uh, but yeah, first round pick in 2013 by the Oakland A's. Okay. So he started with the A's and then I think he went to the Yankees and then he got traded from the Yankees to the Blue Jays and then sort of flamed out from there and, Brewers took a chance. I mean, lefty hitter, 6-1. I mean, that's pretty good size. Oh, Derek Fisher did make the team. Wow. They're keeping – oh, they didn't make the team? That's all I was going to say. That's the 40, man. Oops. I don't know. Looking at the active roster here. I don't think he made – I don't think Fisher made the team. I don't know. Maybe – Yeah. I think what I just looked at was not the – the. I think I looked at the 40 men myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just announced the active roster because – uh, what's his name? Yeah, McKinney made it, and somebody else. Oh, Fireson is the first uh, Milwaukee uh, play or first Wisconsin guy to make the opening day roster since what's his name? Uh, Damian Miller. You bet. You bet. Damian Miller, lacrosse, lacrosse's own Damian Miller um, on the on the Brewers team. But as for other parts of Milwaukee, the Brewers, you know, the pitching staff is obviously getting a lot of hype. Um, the, the Freddie Peralta breakout season is, is upon us. I think a lot of people are expecting big things out of Fred. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to worry. Like I get worried, Mitch, every time we do this with the hype train and it doesn't matter if it's the bucks, it doesn't matter if it's the brewers and it doesn't matter if it's Packers, I will always start to get concerned if like, everyone's hyping up a young guy because I just feel like it never works out or it's never what we expect. And we almost put this player on a pedestal and he just doesn't live up to it. And it's not all, not always a fault of his own. It's the fault of the fans for just getting too excited. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I don't know. That's like Willie Peralta. Remember him? Oh God. That was a big one where he got an opening day start when he probably he I suppose he earned it, but um, I don't I don't think he finished the team with, or finished the year with the team, did he? That season? 
down to the minors. And he, yeah, so and then I think they DFA'd him. So, so there's there is a precedent there. So I don't I don't blame you. And you know, Freddie is still really young. He's what twenty, gonna be twenty five. Yeah, yeah. In, in June, so he's I mean he's still really young and he's been around for quite a while. And they've invested in him, so I mean he's probably not going anywhere, despite you know. Um, the idea you know, it, it, it could not work out with him. I guess he's going to be start the year as a starter. Right. right. And um, we'll see. I think they've, fa- they found a niche with him, you know, as like a long man, but you know, council has said many times this spring, like, you know, it's kind of something for people like us to talk about, you know, starters and bullpen and lineups. And that kind of goes back to his nonchalantness when it comes to the way he runs the team. But um, he's probably right where it's just like we look at it as let's get 27 outs every game and um, whether Freddie Peralta starts and goes two innings we'll throw Lindblom in there and see what he can do for two or three innings and then we'll be just fine right um, I mean bull, bullpens in baseball are are going to be are heavily relied upon I think across the league I think a lot of organizations are terrified of you know what happened last year um, and how that relates to this full season coming up with, I believe it was Stern said on the big show um, on Tuesday that, um, you know, you're probably not going to see guys on our team getting a traditional 30 starts unless they're feeling like exceptionally good. So they're going to be really, really careful with a lot of these um, starting pitchers just having, you know, they had to, they ramped up last year and had to shut it down for three months and then ramped up again quickly in two weeks and played a, you know, a micro season. And uh, then they sort of had a normal off season, I suppose, but even it's hard to call it normal with anything. And, you know, they're going to, they're going to be really reliant upon this bullpen and uh, whatever, whatever Freddie Peralta ends up in that mix. I don't know if we need, if we should be reading a whole lot into him being in the starting rotation to begin with, but uh, you know, you would like to see him, make a, a step I think that there's a lot a lot to like about him but I do agree like let's just uh let's maybe you know tone it tone it back a little bit it would actually be some shit if like Hauser ends up being the guy that breaks out like that's the other thing like when these hype trains start like you kind of forget about the other guy and like Adrian Hauser was shit last year I've been, I was very critical of him um and then the year prior he was he showed some real signs and sometimes that happens where we get all excited about a dude and then it's the other guy who ends up actually being the, being the dude, like, yeah. uh, you know, the, the bucks, right? Like uh, how many people were excited about DJ Augustine to start the season and people were kind of like, eh, about Bobby Portis. And then, you know, look what's happened. I will say yeah. I was on Bobby's corner the entire time, but that's here and there. there. Yeah. So It'll be interesting. Well, I mean, Peralta will we've get been, the... We've been burned a lot by... Oh, yeah. No, by, no. By, young, by young pitchers, I think. Like, yeah. Corbin Burns, no pun intended. Nick Nugabauer, uh, was... um, a classic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean... Nick Nugabauer, man. Uh, oh, Mark Rogers. I remember I did a live blog. Remember live blogs were a thing? I did a live, like, blog about Mark Rogers. I would have to dig it up. I don't know if, no, if it's Chuck's Corners Day. But, like, I was so in on Mark Rogers. Like, I stayed home that day from, like, I didn't go out. It was, like, a Friday night. I was so fucking in on Mark Rogers. He was, I think, the I, number uh, one pick out of Maine. Yep. I got a good Mark, a decent story related to Mark Rogers. I, mean, I don't yeah, know if I've sure. told him on the podcast tell the, before. Tell, tell the class. Um, my, my mom and dad and I went to spring training in 2013. And uh, on the I think we were leaving Arizona. And uh my dad and i happened to see a friend of the podcast uh, robin yount you might have heard of him before uh oh. at the at the airport and yeah. he was just he was just standing there and uh you know there it was one of those where like he was just kind of standing next to some seats in the in the gate area you know and i don't know all of a sudden people noticed him a little bit and were like one guy was like hey, hey big fan i'm a cubs fan but big fan and you know he's like oh, okay you know and then uh, me and my dad kind of walk up to him and we just started talking baseball with him, which I think he liked because 
he wanted to, you know, he's a baseball guy and he, he was like helping out in spring training at the time. So we, we asked, actually asked him about Mark Rogers because we knew he was the number one pick, you know, three or four years earlier and hadn't really gotten much, much of a look. And, and Robin was like, well, I mean, it's baseball, it's major league baseball. It's not really lip service. You're not going to be guaranteed anything. And, you know, Mark Rogers, I think maybe that following year got his look and uh, obviously didn't work out, but um, yeah, I, I can say I talked to Robin Yount, talked baseball with Robin Yount. Wow. I don't, I don't know. I do not know if I have ever heard that story. That's yeah. I love it. I, I like that a lot. Um, Mark Rogers also got banned for a second positive test of a stimulant uh, back in uh, 2011. Um, as I was trying to look for my Mark Rogers blog, which I have not seemed yet to find. Um, I won't find it anytime soon. I'm sure it's deeply buried in the archives. Now, sometimes it's good to have those things deeply buried in the archives. Other times, not so much. But yeah, you know, that's it's crazy out there. Some of it where it's like, you know, right away. And some of it, you just you just don't. And you never know what could surprise you. Um, is there... I didn't talk about this with the concerns, but is there any worry that because we've said, you know, 2020 kind of a fraud, mirage, whatever, that Devin Williams is just not this good? Like he might be good, but is it, is there a chance like that we're like in for a rude awakening with Devin Williams? Uh, sure. There's a chance. I mean, relievers are definitely volatile uh -huh. and because they have one good pitch typically. I do think that Devin Williams, one good pitch is really, really good. Yeah. And it's one of those where I don't know how a hitter can figure it out other than the fact that they just merely expect it every pitch. Um, you'd like to see him not fall in love with it. I think his fastball is good enough that it'll, you know, keep, keep the change up, uh, keep hitters honest with the change up and, you know, and they're also not like, <sighs> I was gonna say they're also not expecting a ton out of him. Um, like yeah. it wasn't like they traded Hater in the off season. And it's like, all right, Devin, you're our closer. Like just go out there. They're sort of protecting him a little bit in that regard. Completely um, agree. You know, it, it, it is possible, but it's really hard to say it's not. But I do no. think that he'll be he'll be just fine. I like I like it. You got you have Devin Williams stock. I'm not saying I don't have Devin Williams stock. Um, I'm definitely in on him. I think. Yeah, you just have to take it for consideration. I do think there will come a time because it's a 162-game season where he won't be invincible. Someone will tug on that cape a little bit. And what's really yeah. important is that he doesn't beat himself up over it, right? Because he hasn't really went through it. And he hasn't yeah. really went through a rough patch. And I'll tell you what, like, they're a bat. Like, Yelich slumps suck. Um but man, yeah. nothing is worse than the Josh Hader slump. Like <laughs> it's just, it happens every year. Seems it like it does. And it's like, Oh my God. Like, it's like, everything's going out of the ballpark. Nothing can stay in. And it's like, he needs to like recalibrate and it's fine after like five games, but it's such a awful experience to like deal with that. Like blowing saves is just it it's that to me i don't know that's one of the worst things about watching baseball is just the blown save especially when you get later in the season and like everything matters but yeah blown saves man is not good those 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 will drive you wild the hater slumps are are pretty pretty brutal you are right that's super true like it just seems like yeah they're and maybe I feel like a lot of those were in what 20, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. When he there just was... went, it was just like Yasmani was the catcher and oh yeah. He was scared to 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 block the slider, so he called too many high fastballs and you know, he wouldn't get it up enough, or it just seemed like it was way too high and they were laying off, or it was, you know, right at the top of the zone and they were just making contact and it was a fly ball ending up over the fence and haters looking around like, are you kidding me? And it was, it, 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 they were, you know, the slumps, I think the thing about haters, like when he's on, he's impossible to hit. Yeah. And when he's not on, it's like, he can't get an out and it's, it's weird. And it's kind of, you know, the slumps are spurts, but like, 
it's when it's bad, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Um, I have a couple more things um, and then I'll, and then well, I'll ask you if you have anything else, a couple things I would just like Brewer fans to stop doing. And it, I know I'm just shouting into a void. Number one, can we stop complaining about Craig council moving, moving and switching the lineup? This is what he does. It's who he is. I get annoyed by it at times. I don't get it at times. Just come to fucking accept that Craig council just tweaks and that's what he does my dad calls him the alchemist i think it's a very true statement he this is just who craig council is you need to get over it it's it's been five years it's it's about time just to let it go yeah i totally agree it's just like i said he's he's aligned with the front office and yeah that's what they those are the types of players that they get they want versatile guys for the most part right um and in fact, that's across baseball. Um, right. But it, it, it's just, yeah, there are times, but they are, he's also very matchup heavy. And I think that you might see that a lot this year. Yeah. Oh yeah. For just sure. Given, given the interchangeability of, especially the infield. Yeah. Where it's like, if it could, there could be, they could be facing a lefty, which isn't as common as a, as a righty starter. You know, you might see one lefty in a series and, you know, they could, they could roll out like, Urias or Arcia at third and you know those got one and then the other one playing shortstop and then I don't know have I guess probably Wong at second Hira at first and all righty and it could be all righties to start to start the game and um, you're just gonna have to live with it and it as much as that's just this is what he does exactly I mean it's just as much as it stinks sometimes you get a you get a hot hitter and he's out of the lineup the next day or, you know, after two great games, he's just mysteriously out of the lineup. I know that frustrates people, but that's what they do. Right. A- absolutely. I was just going to pull up the lineup before I get to the last part that annoys me. So, yeah, I mean, look, the lineup uh, on Wednesday, which was the last spring training game, you had Wong, Kane, Yelich, Garcia, Bradley, now Kane DH. So that's why you have four outfielders, double cheese, Pina, Shaw, Arcia. That lineup to me sounds a lot like what you might see. I'll be, I'll be curious to see if Yelich hits third all year because of Wong and they don't go lefty lefty um, with yeah. Wong and Yelich. Um, it seems like that's what's going to happen. And then you'll go Garcia. So really who's going to be that two hitter on a, on a regular basis, I think will be the interesting part of that Brewer lineup of like, where do they go there? Is it Garcia? And then, and then someone else. So that's, I think one of the things yeah. to, to kind of keep a, keep a close eye on um, the last so thing. I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the box. I'm looking at the box from Monday, the yeah. first game against Texas. Mm-hmm. It's Wong, Wong, Hira, Yelich. Oh, Hira. Garcia, yeah. Garcia, yeah, Bradley, Kane, Narvaez, Arcia at third and Urias at short. Sounds okay. like Urias is going to play short. Yes. More than more than anything, which is interesting. Yeah, um, and I think it's – it sounds like I think, I think I think for for me, it's 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 Wong, Hira, Yelich every day if it was up to Yeah, me. yeah, I think so too. I think that's how you at least start it. Um, that gives Hira a ton of protection, and it lets him, you know, get that sort of Yelich protection where it's like we you have to pitch to Kasten Hira because if you don't pitch to Kasten Hira, you're going to have to deal with Christian Yelich. And – Trust me, the Christian Yelich comeback story is going to be a, a big one that I think a lot of people will lean into. And I oh, expect yeah. I expect Yelich to have have a big year in its, his own right. The other thing that I'd like for fans to stop doing is, and I've said it a bunch, but just bears repeating since we're on opening day. It's American Family Field. Am I going to call it Miller Park a couple times on accident? Yes. Is it worth getting mad about and saying, I'm never going to call it American Family Field? Absolutely fucking not. It was a corporate sponsorship. Yes, it was a perfect corporate sponsorship. Miller didn't want to spend the money. Be mad at Miller. Boycott Miller. Don't drink Miller Lights. I doubt you will. Shut the fuck up. And that's what I have to say about that, Mitch. Yeah, that's 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 all we. I need, agree. Right? Like I uh, word for word. I mean, am I going to call it Miller Park? Yeah, probably. Am I going to do it today? Probably. Am I going to do it 
next month? Probably. Will I do it next year? Probably not. But you got to give me a year, probably, or at least a couple months to, to get into it. I, I think I'm already adjusting to it. But um, yeah, it's uh, I've heard Brad, enough of that. Too. At least center became the BMO at some point. No one really cared because the Bucks were terrible at the time. But I mean, it was a BMO Bradley Center. That was tight. And then we started calling it the BMO. Sometimes it's called BC. You know, no one would ever call it like the BMO or BMO BC or anything like that. The but. BMO, the BMO Harris Bradley Center. Yeah, no, nobody did. No one did. It was it had just the iterations of nicknames, but yeah, it's gonna take some time. But I don't think it's worth getting mad about. I like the Uni Watch people. Um, they always they are literally one of some of the worst people where they think like corporate sponsorships shouldn't be in in any sports. And it's like, do you guys understand like how this how money works? Do you understand like how you need this? It's like. Uh, Spotify bought something where basically they created radio, but live podcasts. They're like, oh, we'll have the ability for like Joe Rogan and Bill Simmons to go live on their podcasts. It's like, oh, so like you invented radio? It's basically what we're dealing with there. Um, anything else about the Brewers before we go to the box? Uh, you were going to say something about Arcia and third base, and I cut you off uh, there rudely. No, 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 but, dude. Don't worry about it. We've done 400 fucking episodes already. We don't. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize to me. I, just, just, I We haven't really touched on it though, and it's kind of like it's kind of an interesting, interesting one. Oh yeah, sure. I, I think, I think the third base position is overblown. You know, in a sense of like this idea that you need to have like a power hitting third baseman is just. I don't know. I feel like that's such an antiquated baseball take. Like, I feel like yeah. that's a take from 1995, but I feel like in yeah. 2021, you can have your best positional players playing second base catcher. Uh, you could have it being a, you know, I mean, fucking Francisco Lindor just got offered $325 million by the Mets and he's a shortstop. He did, yeah. You know, in the early nineties, you know, they were not considered guys to get paid. Now I know Alex Rodriguez, whatever. But basically what I'm trying to say is I don't – I'm not going to worry too much about third base being a hole. I, I'm concerned that both Shaw and Arcia struggled. But, look, if there are eighth hitters, you know what? You can't expect that much out of your eighth hitters. It's not like the Brewers are like a murderer's row where one through eight, it's like how do you stop this team, like the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah, and if, if you're getting – first of all, you're, all three of your outfielders are capable hitters. Yep. And you're also going to have pretty good offense out of your second baseman. So, you know, that's kind of the trade-off, you know. And if instead you get of, a bu- – Instead of it bu- being the corner, your second baseman is, is, is a good offensive player instead of your third baseman. That's really and what it you, is. And if you get a bounce-back year from Omar and Rivas, like then you're getting production yeah. on your catcher. And that – that is like the biggest bonus of anything, right? If Narvaez and Pena have like average, I don't know, let's say they average like 265 and they hit 20 home runs combined. Who needs a third baseman, right? Like it doesn't matter. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I just think that whole idea of like the third base needs to be a thing is way overblown. So, yes, I think we'll pull this up early so you guys have some time to listen while the Bucks are playing and then opening day tomorrow and then day off, which is weird. And then you get Corbin Burns versus Jose Barrios on Saturday night. If only your boy was not getting confirmed to Catholic. That just add another another shrimp yeah. to the Barbie. At least dude, that's be- crazy. You got Saturday is going to be mint. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Thanks. Thanks, Mitch. Yeah, I, I know Saturday is going to be a great sports day. Thank you. I haven't realized that, that two Final Four games, the Brewers and the Bucks all playing on Saturday. I'll be, I'll be, Late home, night Bucks. I'll be home for the Bucks um, and playing the red hot Sacramento Kings, who are just a wagon right now. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that. They've won like six out of the last seven. They're 22 and 25. Um, playing really well. They're playing San Antonio right now as we speak. Yes, the Bucks are playing tonight. Um, we're taping this Wednesday night, so we do not have the results of the Laker game. They're tipping off in about, I don't know, somewhere 45 minutes or so. But one thing I wanted to bring up about the Bucks that I think not enough people are talking about, 
I think we're all focused on the win loss and I've become kind of irritated, infuriated. We've talked about it on this show before, but of just like how serious every Bucks fan treats one loss. Like, yeah. Did it annoy me that the Bucks lost because Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard hit a bunch of shots? Yes. I was not pleased by that. Did I really care too much? No, because I, I knew the Clippers were playing good. It did make me a little more mad, though, than then they laid an egg the next night to the Orlando Magic and lost by, I don't know, they lost by seven, I think, to the Magic. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, it's like, what the fuck? Where was this yesterday? Um, yeah. But. Well, they were, they were missing, they were missing Marcus Morris on top of everyone else, but right. again, Buck, Kawhi Leonard played, so. Noted Bucks killer Marcus Morris, yes. Um, oh, yeah. Who always is good for 20 against the Bucks. Uh, but I, I kind of came to this revelation that COVID has really wrecked what the Bucks, you know, wanted to do. And originally I was a, a fan of the idea of like, you know what, they're short. They have to kind of find a way to win shorthanded and they, they need to figure this out. Cause if someone gets hurt, like this team just isn't the same. And I, I think that you could say that for a lot of teams, but then what I, I realized was the bucks kind of are getting a bad rap because without Bobby Portis or drew holiday, they are one and seven this year without Giannis. They're two and one. Now Giannis had no COVID issues. So that leaves the bucks at three and eight it says eight of their losses. They have 17 losses on the year, Mitch. So if you take that, that's about half their losses, right? Math major, yeah. 47% of their losses have been without one of their premier players on their team. So I guess in a weird way, to almost spin zone this, are people kind of underrating the Bucs? Are the Bucs suddenly underrated because of just what they've sort of went through? Well, I wouldn't. I hate to blame COVID. I mean, no, no, I'm just no. yeah, going to say that because yeah, because yeah, it's, sure. it's an issue everyone for everyone. Totally. And I, I do. I do think you overrate Bobby Portis a little bit. I think Fine. that that I, I get you're trying to you're you're making a point, but it's more about Holiday being out in those games, I think, than, than Bobby. Um, but um, yeah, I I guess I was going to ask you though, like, would you would you feel this way if those guys were hurt? I mean, and they missed. 10 games, you know, because of a sprained ankle or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, your point is that, that they're good when they're full strength. I think every team is good when they're full strength. Um, and they've, they've been knock on wood, pretty, pretty, pretty good with the COVID. I mean, they haven't had any Raptors stuff where like just half the team's out for two weeks and you're just barely, barely staying in these games. It, some teams have had it way worse. I'm not saying Toronto would be, top four in the air probably not but you know toronto i think if they stay full strength mostly for the whole season they're probably a lot better than their record shows at this at this current date but um yeah 26 and 9 at full strength i think leaves a lot to be encouraged about i mean when when they can when they are full strength they've shown that um certainly since you know february or so the last month last six weeks they've shown that they can that they can they can hang around, you know, and they are tweaking some things and they're, they're doing things a little bit differently and they're, but they've shown that they are, they are probably a championship level team. Now, will they actually do it? I don't know, but um, you know, I think that's why people were so upset after Monday's loss was that was supposed to be some sort of like litmus test, but I kind of looked at it like, I mean, did you really expect to win that game? You know, that's one of those, I, I'm going to use the Johnny Mac term. That's a schedule loss. That's just one of those where you kind of look at it and you're like, you know, it'd be great to win it, but I don't know if you're going to win it. And they didn't. And I, I know it got ugly at the end. Um, but now you just have to take care of business on the rest of this trip. And I think, you know, if, if you come out 500 on the other side, you got to feel pretty good. And, you know, you lost the game. I probably expect you to lose. Can it wasn't I, pretty, but. Can I push back a little bit on that? I'm not saying I disagree with that schedule loss idea, but if that were the case, why didn't you just beat the shit out of New York on Saturday and call the dogs yeah. off on Friday, on Monday then? Yeah, yeah that's, good. that's true. I, I think that Knicks game, you could see from Friday's game 
that they just had a feel of like, okay, now Middleton's hobbling. Giannis doesn't look like himself. Okay. Um, All right. I can buy that. probably isn't. You know what I'm saying? Like that, like yeah. I was thinking. No, I can, I, I was can thinking 100- the whole time watching the game on Friday being like, okay, maybe just rest everybody on Saturday on a, on a back-to-back. Just fuck it. Try to get as close to 100% as you can heading out west and um, see what happens. And it, it obviously, you know, it didn't go very well Monday night, but um, that's where I think that, that's what I think kind of happened. Yeah. Uh, all right. I can, I can buy that. And I, I, I like that. And I will rest my guns on that because you're right. He, that, that Friday game was the tank finally ran empty. Like the tank was finally out where it was like, you know what? We're, we've won a bunch of games, you know? And so now you're, you're kind of regressing a little bit, but not, not really. I mean, if they lose to the Lakers tonight, um, I think we'll, I think there'll be some big panic going on. Uh, they shouldn't. It's not a game to lose. I, I don't, you know, I, I know Drummond will be there, but Giannis has owned Drummond in the past, and I will um, we'll just see what happens. I think it shouldn't be a problem, and this is one to get. And then, yeah, Portland, Sacramento um, at the tail end of this week. Portland has been up and down, um, but Portland, the Bucks match up really well with Portland. And it's just they don't have the size to deal with Giannis. And I think real quick on the Lakers game, if I may, I just I think part of the reason we're we're taping before this is that you you can't you can't take a lot of that out of that game without you know LeBron oh, or no. AD. Absolutely not. And so, you know, you would hate to lose, but right, exactly. So yeah, exactly. If, if yeah. they do lose, I mean, let's try not to. Well. <laughs> I know you can't because it's like, but, it, but, it, but this fan base right now, Mitch is like, so I don't know if it's because everybody is just, they have nothing else to be distracted by. I don't, I don't get it. Right. Like I don't get why this fan base just cannot handle losing at all. And it's like, guys, it is a full season. It happens. And the bucks have a bad habit this year of they seem to, get tight after one loss and let it kind of bunch up and can't just sort of shake it off. Yeah, they do. It's not great, but guess what? They also can just string a bunch of wins together. They are, I I don't even think they're inconsistent. I just think they're, they run hot and cold and they do have to work on that of how do you figure that out? But even this losing streak is kind of a fraud losing streak because as we, as said, they were hobbled on that New York. They pulled pulled everybody off. If it's a normal Saturday back-to-back, they probably beat the shit out of New York, and we're not even having that conversation. Monday, I think everybody chalked that up as a loss, especially because Clippers have been playing really well. We chalked it up as a loss. Tonight, it's probably a one you expect to win, but if you lose it, but then you go out and you beat Portland and Sacramento and you're 2-2, two and two, does it really matter? No, it doesn't. And so I just think we gotta, we gotta use a little bit of foresight. We gotta just take it easy. Like people are just ready to throw the baby out of the bathwater, which I know is kind of bad term, but whatever. It's fine. Right. But people are just ready to fucking bail after one bad game. It's like, guys, chill. We gotta, yep. we gotta, maybe the Brewers being back will help some folks just relax a little bit. That there's some I other mean the, distractions. The firebud right. movement was the firebud movement was dormant for a couple of weeks, and it was it was. I woke up Tuesday morning to just a shitstorm. Oh yeah, and yeah, uh, you were you were literally like verbal verbal gif. You were Donald Glover with the pizzas walking in with the thing on fire. The community pretty did. much. That was you. Pretty much. That, that was you. Because for those who don't know, Mitch is uh, Mitch has to get up early for the salt mine. And uh, he can't he can't stay up. These late night Bucks games are killing him. Yeah, I, I I try to listen to the second half usually of these late night games, and if I doze, I I typically doze off. But I tend to wake up like either late in the game or um, right after the game. I I, I catch the little bit of the post game wrap. Yeah. But um, I try to watch the, at least the first half. So yeah, um, it's not it's it not gets bad. Pretty late. Well, you get two. You get two. Uh, weekend games at least um upcoming so we'll see how 
see how it all pans out. And uh, we'll, I'm sure, talk much more Bucks as the year goes on. And I'm sure we'll also talk much more Packers and the Aaron Rodgers drama train. We just could not leave that gravy train alone. I ranted about it yesterday. We had to have a new Aaron Rodgers drama story. Um, it is almost like a, a holiday at this point for Wisconsin sports writers and radio show hosts. I have a couple of theories, Mitch, that I'd like to present to you, and I want to hear what you think. And this might be just my dumb brain just kind of working overtime, but here we go. So I have a theory. I have two theories. Aaron Rodgers, you know, famously January says – I, I don't think any of these guys are going to be back. I'm really sad. It, you know, he kind of sounds like he's leaving. Everybody kind of takes it out of proportion as they do with everything with Aaron Rodgers. And then all yep. of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers bring everybody comes back. And the Packers have basically said to Aaron Rodgers, we have a Super Bowl team for you. This is a Super Bowl team. We believe in it. We agree with you. We love this team just as much as you do. Now go win us one, but we're not going to pay you just yet because we want to, we don't believe that maybe this MVP season was real and you still have three years left on your contract just because you, you could restructure just because it could help us out. We're going to wait. We're just going to, we want to be like a hundred percent sure that you have figured this out and we're going to ignore all the noise because we're the green Bay Packers and we don't care. That is theory. Number one. Theory. Number two is yeah, this is, this is going on. We believe in everything that I just said, but on top of it, we, we, we're, we're looking to move Jordan love and we're just not going to do anything until May. And we're keeping this so close to the vest. Rogers popped out of his slumber. He hasn't tweeted forever, tweeted uh, the Barstool Best Bars because there's a bar in his hometown of Chico uh, to get some votes. And that was the first I think we've heard of Aaron Rodgers in months. It's hosting Jeopardy starting on April the 3rd, 5th, I believe. So right out. So next week will be the start of the Rogers Jeopardy guest host. Um, And we're just, we're going to wait on this and we're going to, it's not over. So where do you, where do you kind of see this whole thing? Do you see it as they're going to wait till the very last minute to pull this trigger and want to want another year? Or do you think it's a situation where this is going to happen and just everybody needs to like slow down a little bit? I think I'd probably choose door number one, uh, just because it's the Packer I think way. I like that the most. I, I like that it's the Packer way exactly, and I think that's the most plausible. I right. also think it's it's just the most realistic, where it's just okay. You know, we didn't restructure you um, because we didn't ultimately need to, I suppose. And you know, you're under contract. You're making plenty of money. Um, or we could look at it, you know, next year or whatever. But, like, it's, you know, I, they're not in a rush to start Jordan Love, I don't think. No. I think that's a lot of that's a lot of media drum. I mean, you hear that all the time now where it's like, oh, the Niners are trading up, so they're going to take a quarterback and they're not going to want Jimmy G. You know, that's like everyone's initial gut reaction. They're not going to want Jimmy G there. And right. it's like, well, under contract for another year. Um, I think there's enough – well, like with Patrick Mahomes, he sat for an entire year, right? And watched. Right. Yeah. Look at him. So I think that's kind of the sexy thing to do now is, you know, Joe Burrow's an exception where Cincinnati was just such a dumpster fire. Joe Burrow also was like trend. 20. Well, Joe Burrow was also like a grandpa at the time he got to the NFL as well. So he was like 24. So true. I mean, so that helps. Yeah. But like the trendy, sexy thing to do right now is have draft a quarterback before you absolutely need one. And whether that's, you know, a year they sit. I think ideally it'd be a year, right? That's like, that seems to be like the move where like, okay, you have your one, one year stopgap quarterback, a la Andy Dalton, um, you know, where it's just, he's not a guy that that's going to be your long-term answer at, at, you know, by any means, but he may win you 10 games 
and get you to the playoffs and keep the fans off your back for a while. Um, and so I think that's, you know, but then plug in the Packer version of that, which is, you know, it could be two years before, you know, you even see him in a regular season game and um, one year's in already. So, you know, I, I ideally do wonder, you get the preseason film on him, but. Uh, and that was going to be my other thing that I was going to, the other thing I was going to lie about there um, was what if they're just saying like, look, we want to play this out a to see if Rogers and MVP B we need to get some tape on you to like entice teams. Like before we restructure Rogers deal, we need to like actually see in the preseason and see what, what's going on here. Um, and then last, my other question would be, will Jordan love be all right? Like waiting, like Rogers did, but that was years ago. And now we're in such a player empowerment demands to be traded all this other bullshit. Are players really accustomed to waiting? Like, think about even college basketball, right? Like, we have all this yeah. transfer portal stuff. And I'm not – I have really no problem with the transfer portal. It is what it is. It's part of the game. And they gave the rules where these guys basically got free reign. And it's now free agency in college basketball. But, yep. you know, for some of those guys, it's just like, I'm not getting playing time. Like, I was talking to our guy, Shea Cat, who I think I'm going to have a podcast next week, actually. Um, we're going to talk a lot about Milwaukee DJing and things like that. So stay tuned for that. I think that's going to happen next week, promoting his uh, return to Lucid. Uh, so that's a little announcement late. We were talking about Kadari Richmond, the kid from Syracuse who just transferred. Um, and Kadari Richmond was, this, I think, a top 50 prospect. And he didn't get any time because Joe Girard, Joseph Girard got all the time. And he transferred. And he's going to be a big-time guy, apparently, from very little I know. But the whole thing about like waiting, like, are we sure, sure Jordan Love's going to wait, want to wait after two years? Jordan Love could be like, fuck you guys. I want to go play. I don't really care if I play for the, I just got to think. Like, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think who would be a shit team. Maybe the Eagles, right? Jalen Hurts doesn't work out. All right. I, I'll go play for the Eagles, man. I don't care. Like, just get me to a team where I can actually play football. And I, I'm not going to put it past him. And, I, and look, I know that'll ruffle a lot of Packer fans' feathers. Rodgers did it. Favre kind of did it. Wait your turn. It's not how sports is these days, man. It's like you got you, – you get the role right away. You get what you want. It's rare that people don't get what they want unless you have an issue with some massage therapists, and then, you, then it's, it becomes a problem, you know? Yep. Yeah, Rogers sat for what three seasons? Yeah, three seasons. Three seasons. No way with that. Five, oh six, oh seven. That actually is a. I mean, that's talk about a snow tap. What if like that in today's today's NFL? There's no way. I mean, they've made it into the NBA in terms of off season where everything's a storyline, and everything gets blown way the fuck out of proportion and aggregated. Like I saw today that. Dan Orlowski and Pat McAfee are getting aggregated for some comments about Justin Fields and his work ethic or some bullshit. And McAfee's already called it out, you know, in, in his McAfee way. Um, but it's, it's all, that's all it is now. And it's, so it'll be really interesting if they do kind of just stay the course, nobody has a contract restructure and, and, and Rogers option does come up. And they decide, all right, this guy's still the dude. And here's the other thing real quick before that. Now, I'll finish that thought of what Jordan Love does. But here's the last thing I'd say. Don't sleep on the fact that Aaron Rodgers plays better a little pissed off. You restructure that deal. He kind of doesn't have anything to play for, right? It's like, I'm marrying Shailene. I'm going to sit on a fat stack of cash. I'm going to be a Packer for life. I beat out Brett Favre in a way because Brett wasn't able to do that. Like, what does he have left? Doesn't he yeah. just kind of coast? I don't know, man. Maybe you got to keep that fire under his ass. I don't hate it. I've really spin my zone. I've spin zoned this really hard. And now I'm just so in on what Brian Gutekunst is doing. I've always been that way. And I'll, and I'll defend. And I, I carry the G. I hate saying that term, but I do. I hate saying it but I do, I, I am a 
I am a person who is more of a front office guy than a fan at times, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I can, I would, I, yeah, I would really love to get friend of pot Eric on this right now and just roll out the ball and, and just take a listen, be a fly on the wall. No, because here's the thing, like it's it, Eric and I just, we used to be more aligned in our sports. And as we got older, I, I, I feel like I stayed the same and he just kind of went to another, another place. That happened. Well, that's, that's life. That's life. Right. He, like he became, he became a father a number of years ago. And uh, you know, just, I don't know, man, maybe, it, maybe, it, maybe, it maybe you considerably or yeah, maybe it's just like, you don't have as much time to watch. You don't have as much time to pay attention. And you just kind of all of a sudden your takes are, are half baked and, and it just doesn't it doesn't fully compute i mean maybe that's it i don't know um but maybe uh, I, shot, I, shots, uh, that's, a, that's a bit of a shot that's a uh, it's that's a it, ricochet it's a friendly shot like i love eric I, I love debating with him i get i get annoyed sometimes because i'm just like i'm texting him and i'll be like do i want to do this do i really just want to go for like five rounds on it and sometimes I get pissed and I say something mean and I'm like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. That was dumb. And uh, I always, that's childish to me, but I, um, yeah, every now and again, I just, I'm like, all right, let's, let's ring the bell. Let's get, let's get it going. Um, so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that'll, that'll do it for today. Uh, do you have any uh, final four picks for the people? Morgan might win snow tap madness. She needs Gonzaga to win. And I apparently over vacation. So that'll be a lot more expensive than $75. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get in front of the Gonzaga freight train. You think they cover the 13 and a half? On UCLA? Yeah. Um, probably. Largest I wouldn't spread. Bet against, I wouldn't bet against them. Largest spread in Final Four history. Um, only one larger was Duke who was an 11 point favorite in 1999. They did not cover. Um, they lost by, they won by six. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It's going to be, I think, yeah, it's, it, it is basically what I said. I think, I don't know if I ever said it on podcast. I probably did, but I, I said a while back, I thought it would be a lot like 2005 where it was North Carolina and Illinois at the end. They were the two best teams all year. They met at the end of the year. It was an awesome game. And North Carolina won. I think you're going to have a very similar feel where it's Gonzaga Baylor and it'll be interesting. I think Baylor is going to absolutely crush Houston, just annihilate Houston. I, yeah, uh, Houston is as much of a fraud Final Four team as you could get. They, they beat nobody, they beat all double digit seeds. How, how can anyone be happy? I mean, good for Houston, whatever, but. I'm not going to be like Greg Doyle who had the take of that Calvin Sampson. How dare he make a final four in Indiana where he ruined the Indiana Hoosier Hoosiers program. That was, that was spicy. Almost as spicy as Pat 40 with can't help but notice Bill self, Brad Underwood and somebody else. Oh, Chris Beard all lost this week. And they were the three coaches that were not wearing their masks the most in games. Like just fuck off. <laughs> God, oh, there's just so good. many big, so many things wrong with the big J's. I've been loosely well, be- big J takes, man, are just incredible. Um, so I almost wanted to put a tweet out jokingly, I think Wednesday morning about uh, how Gonzaga could be seen as fraudulent in the NCAA tournament. Oh yeah. Why? Well, Norfolk state, Oklahoma, Creighton, USC, and now they get UCLA in the final four. Okay. So you're like I'm, they, I'm just I'm no the Gonzaga is amazing. They are. They truly are. They're like they're they are like a, a transcendent team, right? Like they're like they're just nah. they could beat at any team from probably any era. No, yeah, but they're probably. I mean, they've gotten gonna, bailed out a little bit. You're gonna look at the stats of them with what Ken Palm and compare them to what other teams. Yeah, they're among the likes of a 2018 Villanova team who won all their NCAA tournament games by double digits. Um, the Florida teams, the Gator boys, I mean, those, those teams. Uh, but yeah, I think if Gonzaga doesn't win the NCAA tournament, it is a massive, 
I, I do. I think it's a massive upset. I, I do. Like, I know Baylor's good, but Gonzaga is that much better than Baylor. And so I do think it would be, I mean, that Duke team that I referenced, the 99 Duke team was incredible. And then they lose to UConn in the final. That was the Khalid Al-Amin, Richard, uh, Richard Hamilton team. That 99 Duke team, I think, had Elton Brand. Uh, Jay, Jay Williams. No, nah, did they have Jay Williams? Let's see. I, I just pulled it up. I'll give it to you. No, they had Corey Maggette, Elton Brand, Shane Battier, Chris Carowell, Trajan Langdon. Got it. Trajan a- Langdon got his ass in the news recently. Uh, Nate James, William Avery. I mean, they those a lot of draft picks on that team. Holy shit. That's an impressive roster. By the way, shot, color me shocked. JJ Reddick's just bitching about the fact he didn't get traded to where he wanted to get traded. Just shocked that JJ <laughs> Reddick caused some problems. He is kind of a whiny motherfucker, isn't he? He really is. I just like, shut up, dude. Like you're playing basketball. You didn't get bought out. I'm sorry. I know you want to see your kid just opt out of the season then or don't sign in new Orleans. It's like, Oh, they traded Drew Holiday. I want to play with Drew Holiday. Well, guess what? Maybe you hold your water and maybe you could have signed with the Bucks, but you you hated Milwaukee. You talked about how much you hated Milwaukee. Just he's, he's just a Brooklyn asshole. Um, so whatever. It's it's too bad. I, I'm not shedding any tears for JJ Reddick. I'm not surprised that he he just is uh is burning chips as as one does. Yeah, he's uh He's a human being, though, Chuck. Oh, yeah. No, no, I know. I know. I know he is. All right. That'll do it. We'll be back next week. I'm sure we'll have a week's worth of brewer takes all built up in us. Uh, Bucks will still be on their West Coast trip, which is incredible um, when we get back next week. And who knows? Maybe more Rogers drama will emerge. Maybe it will be put to bed. And who knows what else? Back tomorrow. Another daily tap, another building Murph's draft manifesto. We're talking tight ends. Murph Shout died. out to Murph, by the way. Yeah, ACL Murph. Um, National Media Murph is now being replaced with ACL Murph. Uh, he's out recovering. He asked me if I liked the Bucks tonight, um, and I said yes. So I, I was. He's, he's responding. Wow, it's your there. fault. I, oh yeah, I know we are. It's fine. We're both on it. It's, we'll go down together, Mitch. It's, it's gonna be fine just it's okay um and uh yeah so he's doing all right we're gonna tape we're gonna tape some more shows on saturday so i'm looking forward to that all right take care guys have your have a great rest of the week and we'll uh see you next week Peace. peace